Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, that can be found on page 818 if you're using the black Bibles provided. Today we're resuming our uh, study through the Gospel of Matthew, and it's been a little more than a month, I believe, so let me remind you of the context. In chapters 11 and 12, um, we saw kind of a mixed response to Jesus and his ministry. Of course, Jesus, throughout, uh, ever since chapter 3, really has been uh, healing, he's been casting out demons, he's been teaching with authority, he's been bringing in the kingdom of God, because he is the promised king, the Messiah. But the religious leaders have, uh, for the most part, have rejected Jesus. They don't believe that he is the Messiah, they don't believe that he is sent by God, that he's the, the promised king who uh, has come now to save his people, to rule forever. They're rejecting that. Now, the crowds, we're kind of seeing a mixed response from the crowds. Uh, there are some, if you remember in chapter 12, who seem to be kind of leaning toward uh, believing that Jesus is the Messiah. They're starting, you know, they're seeing these healings, they're, they're, they're recognizing you know, the echoes of the Old Testament, and they're saying, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? But certainly many are still skeptical. Of course, the religious leaders are publicly opposing Jesus, trying to turn the crowds uh, against him, keep them from believing in him. And so uh, we're kind of at a little bit of a turning point in Jesus' ministry here, especially his public teaching ministry. A shift is taking place here in chapter 13 because why are all the crowds following? Are, have, are they truly believing? Are they, are they truly committing themselves to Jesus, to submit to him, to learn from him? Or are they just hanging around because they like the miracles he does? Um, and so Jesus is going to shift the way he teaches the, the, in public and to the form of parables here in chapter 13. It's, it's, that's what chapter 13 is. It's just a series of parables on the kingdom of God, or as Matthew says, the kingdom of heaven. These parables will, re- will help reveal who is a true follower of Christ and who isn't, who's just a, a pretender, who's there for other motives. So, um, like I said, M- Matthew 13, the whole theme of it is going to be the kingdom of God, and it's going to be through parables. This first parable we want to look at today is foundational as we transition into these series of parables because this parable today teaches how people respond to Jesus' words and how the kingdom of God grows. So these are the themes that are, are, are being addressed here in chapter 13. So today our text is verses 1 through 23 of Matthew 13. I'd ask you to stand once again for the reading of God's word. Please follow along as I read. Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. That same day, meaning if you remember in chapter 12 when he was in the house and and his uh, mother and brothers were trying to get to him. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, 
and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Father, please, once again... We're reminded, especially with this parable, Lord, how much we need your grace. Please till up our hearts to receive your word, that you would bring forth faith and fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. As we get started, let me say a quick word about the structure of the passage that we just read, and, and also the purpose of parables, so we kind of need a little longer of an introduction before we get started here. You'll, you'll notice in verses 3 through 9, Jesus proclaimed this first parable to the, to the crowds. It's often called the parable of the sower. It's probably more appropriately called the parable of the soils. Then in verses 10 through 17, you have this discussion about the purpose of the parables, right, where the Disciples are asking Jesus why he's doing this. And then in 18 through 23, you have Jesus explaining the parable to the disciples. Okay, so that's, that's what's going on here. But look now again at verse 10. Jesus has given the parable. Then the disciples kind of take, again, I don't know if, if, if they were out on the boat with him or if this is you know, slightly uh, just right after this or what. But anyway, they take him kind of aside and they, they say, Jesus... Why are you speaking in parables, right? Why are you not just kind of spelling this out clearly for them? You speaking in parables is just going to confuse them. That's basically what they're saying. And Jesus answers the disciples in verse 11. Look there again. He says, to you 
It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Verse 12, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. I'll say more about these verses kind of toward the end of the sermon, but for now, just notice the purpose of parables. Sometimes people think Jesus' parables were like sermon illustrations, right? Like, oh, wow, that's so cool, Jesus. He's, he's using examples to, to just make the point crystal clear. And that's not exactly true. I mean, he is using very um, relatable examples, things they could picture, but parables were not like sermon illustrations. Parables kind of had a... Uh, a divisive purpose. The, uh, the parables were to expose and divide people into either believers or unbelievers. For those who had truly repented and committed themselves to Christ, then yes, the parables would reveal spiritual truths to them. But for unbelievers, those who had already rejected what, what Jesus has been teaching, remember the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, he's had a lot of clear teaching already. And for those who are, who are already skeptical and rejecting that, but they're still just hanging around for whatever reason, for them, the parables are actually going to harden them in their unbelief. So it's like a form of, of judgment on them, saying, well, you haven't accepted what I did say already, and now this is just going to further harden you. So they're... He's accomplishing two things at once. And that's why then in verses 14 and following, Jesus quotes from Isaiah 6. And if you remember, Isaiah 6 is the account when, right, Isaiah sees the the throne room of heaven and, and he's called as a prophet, right? And Isaiah's job was to proclaim a message that most people would not accept. And Jesus says, I'm doing the same thing now. I'm proclaiming God's word to people who have largely rejected me. Just like in Isaiah's day, there is a remnant, praise God, by his grace. There's a group of people who've responded in faith. And so to them, the parables will be a a further blessing. They'll they'll understand more about the kingdom of God. They'll understand more about why I've come, what I'm going to do. But to the rest who, who are rejecting, the parables are, again, a form of judgment against them. Okay, so that's what parables do. They reveal truth to some, but conceal truth to others. So the title of the sermon today is Responding to the Word of God. Responding to the Word of God. Such an important matter for us to consider. And, and, and really, just to kind of whet your appetite, you know, let me pose a couple of questions here. Maybe things you've observed, maybe things you've thought about. How can people sit under the same sermon... And some go away blessed and challenged and, and believing, while others leave completely unchanged. Same sermon. Why do some people profess faith, come to church, but then later fall away and quit following Christ? Well, this parable will help explain those, those matters, those, those instances that we've all observed, right? Right? Jesus says that when the word of God goes out, it's like a person sowing seed, planting seed, right? You know, the picture back in the old days, you know, they had a big sack of of seed on their, I'll do it this way, on their shoulder, right? And so they're just kind of flinging seed, right? They didn't have combines and planters and all that. So they're just just sowing the seed to, to plant a crop, right? That's the picture here. The seed is the word of God. Luke's um, 
account of this says that explicitly. So in, in all of this, it's the same seed. It's the same word that's being proclaimed, right? That's going out. Same seed, same sower. The difference is, is the seed's going to land on different types of soil. And the soil represents people, different types of people. And by types, I mean different types of hearts, right? That's what the soil is. It's the soil of your heart. This parable is showing the various ways people respond to the word of God, the various types of hearts that the word of God lands on, okay? And so as Jesus, now we're going to go kind of go through the specifics of the parable. And, an, and another great thing about parables was it did draw the, the hearer into the story, right? And so I pray that you'll do that today. As we go through these, as we go through the different responses, Jesus is going to describe four of them. As we go through these four responses to the word of God, you need to be asking yourself, well, which one am I? Which one describes me? How do I respond to the word of God? Because how you respond is absolutely crucial. Only those who hear the words of Jesus, believe in Jesus, embrace him by faith, and persevere in him to the end are saved. Only those go to heaven. So just, you know, to, be a, to give a spoiler here, right? Of these four types, only one is describing people who are true believers. The others, sadly, are not. So let's look at the four types. Number one, again, these are four types of responses to the word of God. How do I respond to the word of God? Well, you could call this first one a hard heart. A hard heart. Jesus describes this first response in verse 3. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And then he explains it in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So they would have been familiar with this, this scenario, right? The fields where the sower sowed the seed... Well, they had paths through them, right? They were, that was the roads, you know? And so, you know, there, wherever there was a path, it's where people had walked over and over and over to get from this field to that field or whatever. And, and as you know, it was a trail, right? The ground had become hard there through the continuous walking on it. And so what would happen is, you know, I mean, obviously the sower's trying to sow in the middle of the field, but, you know, some would inadvertently get onto the hard path. And because it's so hard, the seed wouldn't go, wouldn't penetrate. And it would just lie there, and it'd get trampled on as people were walking. And then the birds would come and eat it up, and so obviously it didn't bear any fruit. It didn't produce any kind of harvest. And Jesus is saying some people are like those hard paths. Their hearts are hard so that the word of God never penetrates. Oh, they, they hear it. It's sown onto their heart, but the person remains un, unmoved. And maybe they don't understand it. Maybe they're distracted as it's being sown. Maybe they're offended and they reject it vehemently. But at any rate, the person does not respond to the word in faith. They hear the gospel proclaimed. They hear the good news that King Jesus has come bringing forgiveness of sins to all who repent. And yet they themselves do not turn from their sins and, and trust in Christ. 
They hear the good news that they can have eternal life, but they do not believe. They hear the truth that Jesus is Lord, and yet they do not bow. They will not submit to him. They hear the warning that one day everyone will stand before Jesus, but yet they continue in their rebellion and in their unbelief. They are unmoved. They leave the service unchanged. You know, if we're talking about a church service or maybe talking about a a family devotional time, right? Or whatever, whenever the seed is being sown, they leave unchanged. And within no time, it's like the sermon's completely forgotten, right? I mean, the word of God's completely forgotten. The word of God's gone. And again, we might say, well, how can this be? Why wouldn't a person believe and be saved? Why wouldn't they turn from their sins and by faith embrace Christ as Lord and Savior? Why would they not want eternal life? What can explain this? Well, as we see here, this is, this is a, a spiritual issue. This, this is having to do with a person's heart. Their hearts are hard. And then in addition to that, there's spiritual warfare taking place here. And so the word just bounces off their hard hearts without penetrating. Satan comes and snatches it away so that it's quickly forgotten or rejected or dismissed or whatever. So that's the first response, a hard heart. The second response then we could call a shallow heart. A shallow heart. Jesus describes a second kind of soil that this seed lands on in verse 5. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. And then he explains it in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So, what, what would happen in this case is there's some, there were some types of soil that um, it was very thin. And what I mean by that is there was a layer of bedrock under it, right? So it's not like you could just dig way deep down into good soil. No, it was like you dig down a little bit, and you hit the rock. And so there's this thin layer of soil on, on this layer of bedrock. And so what would happen when seed lands on that kind of soil? Well... Uh, it does penetrate into that thin layer of soil. And actually, because it, the, the, it's such a thin layer of soil above the rock, um, apparently that soil tends to heat up faster, right? There's less of it. And so it actually, uh, oftentimes the plants would spring up kind of quickly, right? They would spring up quickly. But un- what's happening underneath is since there's this layer of bedrock, the plant, the roots can't penetrate that rock. And so you've got these Little plants that have grown up quickly, but they have no roots. And then, as we can relate to, right, then when the, the hot weather comes, well, it just, it just burns up the plants to a crisp, right? They have no roots to, to get the, the water that they need and the nutrients they need to sustain themselves. And so Jesus is saying this is another type of, of hearer. This is a, a second kind of response to the word, the first group, remember, they were unmoved. Like, you know, the word just ping, ping, ping bounces right off their heart. But this group here, they do respond. Matter of fact, they give oftentimes an emotional response. 
They receive the word with joy. This is, this is, but this is like shallow. This is like superficial. They don't have roots. They're, they're excited about Jesus. They're excited about salvation. They're excited about all the promises and blessings. But once they get out there and once the, the heat of trials and persecution comes or, or the, the, time, the suffering and, and, and obedience and all that, then they start to fall away. And so apparently they didn't expect um, following Christ to be so hard. You know, they thought that, man, Jesus is going to make my life just so much better. He's going to, you know, um, health and wealth, Right? You know, when I follow him, it's going to be great. They didn't take to heart Jesus' own words that said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world, right? They didn't understand what it means to follow Christ. The world hated Jesus. They're going to also hate those who follow him. And so again, think of the, the situation Jesus is facing. He's got a scores of people who are happy to hang around with him. They're happy to hear him teach. They're happy to benefit from his miracles. Wow, he multiplies bread, right? He heals people. That's great. But when the teaching gets tough, and when they realize there's this opposition, and, and anyone identified with Christ is going to face that same opposition, then they're, they're like, we're out of here. They're not counting the cost. They hear the word and initially, yes, 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 that sounds great. But they don't grasp the type of life that Jesus is calling them to. So that's why you could call it a shallow heart. They kind of have a superficial, shallow belief without understanding of what it means to truly follow Christ, what it means to truly be a Christian. So when the going gets tough, they're, they're gone. They're the plant that sprung up initially, but in the end produces no fruit. Okay? So the third type of response, third type of soil, I called the worldly heart. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And then Jesus explains it in verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So these plants become more established, but the problem is it's, they're not alone. In other words, there's other things growing up with them, right? There's thorn bushes growing up with them. And so those thorns are, and weeds and things are hogging the nutrients from the soil, and they're also entangling the plant itself. So it's, the plant is slowly being choked out by the thorns, and I imagine these plants hold on for a while longer, right, than the last kind. They, they can survive for a while, but eventually the thorns overtake them and the plant fails to yield any fruit. So this picture is another kind of response to God's word. Some people seem to believe initially, but as time goes on, it becomes clear that they love the things of the world more than they love Jesus, and the Bible warns about that so many times because it's such a real danger. Do not love the things of this world, 1 John 2 says. Things of this world are passing away. You cannot serve both God and money, we've heard Jesus say in Matthew 6, 24. Friendship with the world is enmity toward God, James 4, 4. But yet there are people who try to live with a foot in two worlds 
One foot in one world and one foot in the other, right? I'm going to follow Christ, but you know what? I sure do love this world, and I kind of want to just pursue the things of the world too, you know? And Jesus says, the Bible says, that does not work, okay? That does not work. And probably many of us have learned that the hard way, right? That doesn't work. The busyness of of sports and hobbies can choke out time to gather with the church in worship. Devotion to the pleasures of this life can keep a person from spending personal time with God and his word. Remember, think how it's choking out the word. An excessive concern over money or politics distracts people from pursuing Christ and living for his glory. People are too busy building and managing and fretting over their earthly kingdoms. They're too busy doing that and they can't seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness as Jesus told us to. The love of the things of this world chokes out their affection for Christ. And so this is another type of hearer. This is another type of person who heard the word, claimed to believe it, but yet they, in, in the end, proved to be unfruitful, which means they proved to be devoid of, of life, devoid of Christ's life in them. Oh, how we need to be on guard against this. Right? In the West especially, right? Be on guard against this. Getting, getting choked out is a subtle and gradual process. This person at one time could look like a follower of Christ, but in the end, it's evident that this person is not saved. The plant turned out to be useless. It didn't mature. It didn't bear fruit. The fourth and final type of response to the word is described in verse 8. Verse 8. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then Jesus interprets it there at the end of our passage. Verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So some of the seed fell into good soil. And that seed penetrates the ground. A plant is formed. It's good soil so the plant can develop good deep roots. It perseveres through the, through the, the dry season, through the heat. And it ends up yielding a remarkable harvest. Now what type of person is this? Well, this, these are the people who hear the word. They receive it as the word of God, like 1 Thessalonians says, Right? They believe it, and they're, they keep on believing it. They're holding fast to it. Yes, they believe and respond to the word initially, but then throughout their life, they keep on believing and holding to the word and obeying it. They keep on believing by God's grace, right? Not perfectly, I know, but they, they keep believing in the word. They keep following Christ. They keep believing the gospel. They keep, by the power of the Spirit, they keep seeking to bring their lives under the lordship of of Jesus Christ. They keep on longing for his return. So think of what this looks like. Though they go through many trials and suffering, they keep believing and following Christ. I mean, Pastor Shannon just thanked God for the Tylers. 
right? As they, God has given them grace to go through what they're going through. Although blasted with much pressure and persecution from the world to abandon the gospel, abandon, it, abandon the gospel and, and with its implications, these type of people keep holding to the gospel in faith and identifying with Christ no matter what it costs them. Right? We saw that in our young adult study a couple weeks ago. Believing things, believing what the Bible says, even when it's unpopular, even when it costs you your job. One of the guys interviewed, I mean, it cost him his job, right? And obviously other believers pay even a higher cost. These are the type of people, though, though they, they're living in this world, right? I mean, they're facing many trials, many temptations, many distractions of this world. By God's grace, they stay devoted to Christ and his kingdom. Though they daily battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, they keep loving Christ. They keep longing for his return. By the power of the Spirit, they keep on clinging to the word of God in faith and obedience. This is the persevering, faith-filled heart. That's what I call this type of heart. A persevering, faith-filled heart. This is accepting, obeying, persevering in the word of God. This is a true Christian. A real Christian. This is what it means to be a disciple. Jesus said in John 8, 31, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Again, Jesus is going to have this happen, right? You know, people following him, they like it when, it's, when things are going great, but then when the teaching gets hard, when trials start to come, they all fall away. I mean, the, the account in John is so powerful, right, in John 6. This is a hard teaching, and, many, and, and Jesus says to the disciples, hey, do you want to go away too? Everybody else has left. And Peter says, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Praise God. Right? He's clinging, persevering to Christ's words. Only those who persevere, only those who finish the race, still trusting in and obeying Christ, will be welcomed into heaven. That's why we've already heard Jesus say in Matthew 10, 22, he who endures to the end will be saved. And so, like I said, the sobering reality from this parable of the soils is that only this fourth type of Heart, only this fourth type of hearer, only this fourth type of responder is actually saved. Many people heard the word, several responded in some way or another, but only those who persevered were truly saved. Those who fell away, those who failed to persevere, proved that they were never truly Christians. And 1 John 2.19 describes such people. There, the apostle writes, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Right? That's people that, who gave the appearance of being Christian, but were never in fact true believers. And, and the way it was revealed was their lack of perseverance. And their lack of perseverance proved that a regenerating work of grace had never taken place in their hearts. So that's the parable. Those are the soils. And again, 
you need to find yourself in this parable. Which soil are you? Do you have a hard heart? Do you have a shallow heart? A worldly heart? Or by God's grace, a persevering, faith-filled heart? Another way of asking that is, what do you do when you hear the word of God at church or in your home or in school? How are you living throughout the week? This parable is a call to examine what we do with the word of God. We will be held responsible for how we responded to the word of God. And so friends, if you've never forsaken this this notion that's ingrained in all of us by nature of living for yourself, if you've never turned from your sins and given your life to Christ, then this parable is, is, is like any other proclamation of the gospel. It's a call to repent and believe today. It's a call to turn from your life of self-centeredness and turn to Christ and embrace him as Lord and Savior. Do that today. If you've allowed the trials of life or the cares of this world to prevent you from persevering in faith, you're, you're, you're just ready to give up. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're saying it's too hard. It's not worth it then repent and believe. Turn back to Christ today. Ask for grace to persevere. Respond to the word of God today in faith. That's what Jesus is calling us to. As the word goes forth, he's calling for people to respond in faith. And another sobering truth that's presented here is Jesus warns us in verse 12 that what we do with the truth as it's sown into our hearts or onto our hearts, what we do with that truth affects our future access to that truth. Okay? You'll have to go back and look at some of those verses closer. I'll read them in a minute. But if we accept the truth of God's word, even with a childlike faith and understanding, then God will graciously lead us into more truth. That's what he says in verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Right? So if you just say, Lord, I believe this. This is hard to believe, but I believe it, and and I need your help. Lord, I need you. I need your grace to to follow you. Please help me. He's going to help. He's going to give you assurance. He's going to give you understanding. He's going to give you grace to persevere. Okay? That's the, the good side of that, of verse 12. But the, the, the sobering side of it is if we harden our hearts, if we reject the word that we hear today, then God may give us over to our hardness. Right? Verse 12. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In other words, God may say, okay, you're going to reject that. I'm going to just kind of give you over to your hardness of heart which is going to make it even more difficult to respond then in the future. So I'm, I'm praying today that the Lord will, not today and in all the days to come, will give each of us a heart 
ready to respond to the word, ready to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe some here today for the first time. And those of you who can identify, I am in that fourth group. I ask you, why do people believe and persevere? How can they believe and persevere? Well, it's because the seed fell into, the, into good soil, right? The word was received by, by a heart that was, that was receptive, <laughs> that, that, was, that was good. But then we say, well, wait a minute. But the Bible says that none of our hearts are good. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked, right? The Bible says we're dead in, the, in our trespasses and sins. So by nature, we all have dead and stony hearts. And so this highlights the mercy and grace of God. If you believe today, it's because God and his mercy and power has made you alive. He has given you a living heart of flesh, a heart that's been born again, a heart that receives the word of God and responds to it in faith, and a heart that will keep by his grace, by his enabling believing. It's all because of God's grace. And we see that in this passage. And it, it comes, forward, comes through so beautifully. Look again at verse 11. Remember when the disciples were saying, Jesus, why are you talking to him in parables, right? Verse 11, he says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Go down to verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. In your ears, for they hear. Wow. Why am I a guest? Why do I come to this beautiful banquet while many would rather starve than come? It's that same love that spread the feast that sweetly and powerfully drew me in. It's His grace. Because left to ourselves, we're all the hard-hearted ones. We're all the paths. We're all the, the, the rock-hard thing that the, the word of God would just bounce off of, right? We're all enslaved to sin on our own. But God in his grace has, has made us alive and given us hearts. So I'm, I'm looking for several responses today. One of them is just praise and thanksgiving to God, right? Praise and thanksgiving to God. If you believe, praise God, because he's the one who's worked that in you. Today, if you see and believe the gospel, like Jesus says, you are blessed, right? God, by his grace, has given you the new birth. He's graciously unstopped your ears and given you a heart to receive the word as the word of God. He gave you faith to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. And again, God is the one who enables us to persevere. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He initiated our salvation by giving us the new birth, and he continues to give grace to enable us to persevere. And as Christians, we may and probably will stumble and fall into sin, but we will never fall away because God has begun a good work in us, and he will be faithful to complete it for his glory. So praise God that we don't have to keep ourselves saved, right? That's not the message of this. The message is just when you hear the word, respond to it. That's how God works in our hearts. Respond. 
another way we're blessed, if you look there at verses 16 and 17, is not only, I mean, and this is a huge, huge blessing, right? Not only are we blessed to have hearts to receive God's word, but we're blessed to live when we do. Right? We're blessed to live on this side of the cross and the empty tomb because as Jesus said, many prophets and people longed to see the coming of the Messiah. And First Peter said the same thing, right? For centuries, God's people like Abraham, Moses, and David and the prophets, they believed, they longed for, they even proclaimed God's promise to send a Savior. But they didn't know all the details. They didn't know the timing. But they, yet they were straining, looking ahead, Peter says, right? Longing to see how is this going to be fulfilled, We are blessed to know how God kept his promise through Jesus Christ. We have the completed word of God. So we're doubly blessed. Hearts to receive the word and and we have access to all the word. And so I close with this notion of stewardship. You know what it means to be a steward, right? A faithful manager. And I want to challenge you, and I'm challenging myself. I want you to be a good steward of two things. I want you to be a good steward of the heart God has given you, if you have a good heart, a heart that receives the word of God, and be a good steward of the word of God. Right? Those are two things he's blessed us with if we're believers today. A new heart and the word. So be a good steward of it. Let us daily spend time with the Lord and let us keep taking sin seriously lest our hearts become hard. Because in the parable, only, one, the, only the fourth type of people are truly believers. And that's, that's true. There's also principles for even believers here, right? There, there's ways we can see, oh man, I'm doing that. I'm kind of being like that type of soil right now, right? And so there's, there's lessons for us. So let us daily spend time with the Lord and let us keep taking sin seriously so that our hearts do not become hard. Let us dig our roots deep into Christ, as Colossians 2, 6 says, that we may be able to withstand the trouble and trials that are going to come our way. In Hebrews 12, we have the same truth taught with just a different picture. Not a plant picture, now a running picture, right? Hebrews 12 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Sounds like thorns to me, right? And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So again, as believers, by God's grace, we bear fruit of new life. But we want to bear more fruit for God's glory, don't we? And why don't we bear fruit as much as we could? It's because we're not being good stewards. And so here's two things to think about. Sowing and keeping or guarding or weeding, if you want to use the, keep using the same picture, okay? Sowing and weeding. Sow the word of God. Sow it deep into your own heart. Sow it liberally into your heart, into the hearts of your kids. And pray, right? This should remind us, pray we can't produce the growth. Only God can do that. But expose yourself to God's word so that you will bear much fruit. And then weed or guard 
Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all vigilance. Here's where the stewardship comes in. If you've been given a good heart, a new heart, you've got to tend that. You've got to guard that, Proverbs 4.23. And when we allow the garbage of this world, the garbage of the internet or whatever, and again, it can be entertainment, politics, whatever it is. When we allow that garbage to come in, you know what we're doing? We're, we're inviting thorn bushes into our heart. Right? We're saying, hey, you know what? I, I want to be distracted by the cares of this world. I want things to choke out God's word. That's what we do. May we not do that. Okay? May God help us be good stewards. To sow the word of God generously. Keep the word of God central in our life. And to guard the new heart he's given us. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for you being such a gracious God that you don't leave us in our hardness and our rebellion, our unbelief. We praise you for the, your grace and the work of Christ that gives us a new heart. And delivers us from our sin. And we thank you and praise you that you are the life giver. Just as in Genesis your word spoke this creation into existence. So through your word, the the Bible and your word, the son, you bring new life. Lord, we, we thank you and praise you for the new life that many of us enjoy in here. And we pray, Father, that you will be, continue to be merciful. Again, we long to see your churches filled. We long to see more and more people worshiping you and gladly bowing the knee to Christ. And we long to see that in our own families and in our own workplaces. So, Lord, we pray for those around us that, that don't know you. Like we said last week, help us to give us open doors, Lord, to sow the seed of the word in in their hearts and may you give the growth in life father please forgive us for oftentimes not being a good steward of of the blessings you give us for not not sowing the word of god into our own hearts like we could for for just inviting and planting thorn bushes into our hearts oh god by your grace please help us not to do that Please help us be rooted and grounded in Christ and cling to him, abide in him, that we may bear much fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand, please, and sing a final song of praise as we declare our dependence on on the Father.